I'm going to get right into the word. We're going to end this morning with communion, and um, I'm just going to just see what God has for us. And I knew that a great deal of our body would not be here today, and knew that in some essence, some of the less mature would not be here today. So I opted to um, share a word that maybe I couldn't share. When you go, the Bible says, when you go before a congregation, you should know who you're speaking to. The Bible says in Ezekiel, you should know your congregation. And whenever I go to speak anywhere, it, it makes sense to hear the voice of the Lord first and then to consider who you're speaking to and uh, this morning I wanted to do that I want to talk this morning that something vital is at stake look at your neighbor and say something vital is at stake you need your spiritual Wheaties this morning you need your spiritual Wheaties um, and the subtitle to that if you had a paper today I'm a big subtitle person would be conviction the unbending road to courage look at your neighbor and say you need conviction and courage you need conviction and courage you need conviction and courage I want to read to you this morning from 2nd Timothy 1 6 and 7 which has been our anchor verse for the last two Wednesday nights I'm not re-preaching any of those messages but I wanted to bring this verse in before I read Daniel 11 and 23 I may have told you the wrong verse but uh 2 Timothy 1 and 6, 7 is a familiar passage. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given unto us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Daniel 11 and 23, um, one of my favorite verses, um, and it really comes from Daniel eleven thirty two. I'll get this right in a moment. Um, we'll go more to the B. The first says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery but the second part is what we're honing in on today but the people who know their God say the people who know their God say the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits the people who know their God know is the door to conviction and doing the strong exploits that God has called us to do. Um, let's pray real quick and we'll get right into this. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit in this house. I love you, Holy Spirit. I welcome you. I welcome the voice within the voice. I ask you to speak to every one of my brothers and sisters, even when I do not speak in this message this morning. I pray you would encourage us. I pray you would encourage me. I pray as the word goes out, the word would get stuck on me because I know your word makes a difference. So I ask you this morning we sequester our mind for the next about 35 minutes to hear the word to be encouraged and then to end by looking at you Christ and your incredible courageous self you are the Lord of the earth and you are our Lord and you are full of courage and we are going to partake of that courage this morning in Jesus name and everyone said amen guess what there is a bully in every generation that wants to throw God's church off its throne we know that God made us to sit in heavenly places. I've demonstrated that others have with Christ Jesus. But there's a bully that wants to throw you off the throne. I've often shared this when I was at Cleveland High School growing up. There was a group of people that tried to bully me. And um, I had grown up um, not with racial discrimination. I'd grown up in a house that welcomed every color. I had every color to stay in my house because my parents housed missionaries. So I didn't grow up with racial prejudice. Um, but this group were prejudiced against me because I was white and, and, and they were darker skinned than me. And um, there was many, uh, many colors and many races in this group of bullies of all kinds. 
and but they didn't for some reason they bullied people and there was a certain area down the um, high school that that you couldn't walk down because they would get you it was every every color was in this bully group every every race every age you name it and uh, what I came to realize is that they were keeping us off a certain pound of this property which bullies do um, if I had been wise enough at that age, I finally paid a few off, won them over with my daddy's charm, and uh, got them to like me, and they still write me and call me today, and uh, they've written me from all different areas of life, but after a while, I realized that my quarter I gave them every day not to knock me in the head was not going to do a lot of good, that I needed to win them over. Let me tell you something. They were trying to keep me from several hallways at Cleveland High School. What I didn't realize at my age at that time at 13 years old was that my daddy was a taxpayer and my daddy paid that every part of this city that I'm allowed to go I could go but I didn't realize that at 13 let me tell you something there are bullies in the spirit realm that wants to intimidate you from your gift your calling your provision you see that hallway every hallway of that school my feet should have been able to walk down every place of that area there was not a sign up anywhere that said Rhonda Davis's daddy is not a tax paper payer and he she can't go down here no every inch of that school should have been mine let me tell you every inch of what God has said is yours is to be yours God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind can somebody give God a shout of praise in this house and the Bible says the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits they shall carry out great exploits that no matter what no matter will that for the sake of the kingdom we've been known by our convictions to walk out the unending road of courage listen God always honored those. I'm going to tell you a couple of great examples of people with courage. But in the Bible, God honored those who had conviction. Conviction is knowing what you should do and doing it. It's not just knowing what you believe in, but it's doing it. But you know what? Daniel had conviction and he was not lunch for the lion's den. The trio um, that came into the fiery furnace did not burn. Goliath did get trampled underneath the boot of David and God became their defense and Esther's words of if I perish, I perish were made true and guess what? She became alive and saved her nation. Can you say amen? Now listen to me. If you've never seen an angel this morning, if you've never healed the sick and you've never raised the dead, if you've never had a mystical vision or hear a voice from heaven and you say, I'm here this morning, just an ordinary person. But you know what? It's you that God is speaking to. You're living in an extraordinary time. There's always a bully against the people of God. In the time of Esther, it was Haman. Talked about that Wednesday night a little bit. He built gallows to take down Mordecai. He got a decree established that God's people would be killed. It's horrible when a decree is established that the death of a people should come. But guess what? God is the highest authority and he can override any decree of any bully of fear or intimidation in your life. When God speaks, he can unturn the writer of the Proverbs said, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he can turn it whichever way he wants. I don't care if it's a principal, a boss. I don't care if it's a spouse. I don't care who it is. If it's a governor, if it's a judge, if it's a president, 
the heart is in the hand of the Lord and I belong to the Lord. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise? Esther didn't know it was her. Yesterday, I'm not preaching on Esther particularly this morning, but she will come out. Yesterday, the last 24 hours was the Feast of Purim in Israel. And it's the time when they celebrate for 24 hours when Esther had convictions that what should be done, that something right was not happening, that she needed to stand with people and not be afraid to stand. There was that moment that Mordecai came to her as the Holy Spirit comes to us this morning and he tries to get her to do the right thing, to stand up for those who should be stood up with, to speak for those who should be spoken for, to stand with people in trials and troubles and persecution and famine and peril and Esther tries to push him away saying, I, I can't do that. I'm afraid. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not enough for this. And Mordecai just kept sitting out at the gate, grieving with sackcloth on him. I've often, when I have preached on Esther, I've presented an imaginary Mordecai, like I would present the Holy Ghost with a new set of clothes and say, Holy Ghost, because Mordecai is symbolic of Holy Spirit in our life. Mordecai was sitting at the gate mourning and saying, Esther, you've got to do something. Esther, you are stronger than this. Esther, you are more courageous than this. A bully is keeping you off your place. You can do this. But Esther just kept trying to hand. She sent new clothes to Mordecai and said, dress yourself up. Get out of your grief. We often do that with the Holy Spirit. And we say, oh, Holy Spirit. I, I just have to deny what you're saying to me. I'm not that courageous. I can't do this. Here, dress yourself up, Holy Spirit. Let's watch a Lifetime for Television movie together. Come on, Holy Spirit. Let's eat a big meal and comfort ourselves. Come on, Holy Spirit. Let's lay down and take a long nap. Pull the covers over our head. I mean, in the middle of the night when you got scared, what did you do when you were little? You pulled the covers over your head. In fact, somehow that would eradicate what was ever in your room because you was too scared to go run to your mom and daddy. Not me. My mom and daddy will tell you many times I came running, jumped right in the middle of their bed in between Joyce and Cecil. I said, good morning. I'm scared. I'm going to sleep with y'all. And got right in the middle of them. And then my daddy would pray for me and he would walk me back to my bed. But you know, most of us pulled the covers over our head and we like to pull the covers over our head. Intimidation wants you to pull the covers over your head and not make that family that God has called you to make and not raise the standard. Let me tell you something. Esther didn't know she was the one. Jeremiah didn't know he was the one. Daniel didn't know he was the one. One of my elders often says this to me, Rhonda, Rhonda, it's Billy Burke in that main. Jeremiah didn't know he was the one, Rhonda. Esther didn't know she was the one. Daniel didn't know he was the one. And you don't know you're the one either. And I say to you this morning, Josh Castleberry, I say to you, Hannah Combs, I say to you, Abigail, I say to you, Chris Vernon, you don't know that you are the one that God wants to carry out and do strong exploits in this land. And through your conviction, fill you with courage. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. In every point, Becky Kaufman, God was setting up a victory against a bully that was incomprehensible in anyone's mind. Esther did not know. 
when she took that walk into the king, when she fasted, when she stopped trying to hand clothes to Holy Ghost and say, just get over it. Come on, I can't stand up for those. I can't stand with those. I've just got to get where it's safe and comfortable. I've got to get somewhere and lock myself in a room. But when she came to realize that she had to fast instead of feasting, that she didn't need a trip to Hawaii, she needed a trip to Israel. Come on, somebody. When she came to realize that she didn't need four days laying on her back in the sun, but what she needed was four days laying before the God of the universe because a bully was fixing to put out the future of God's people. Let me tell you, there is a bully. The Bible says that Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A bully wants to stop your bloodline. A bully wants to stop the blessings to this generation. A bully wants to stop freedom in America. We were too afraid and timid and coward and we handed the Holy Ghost clothes when he said, you better not take prayer out of the classroom. Oh, but we were too afraid to stand up. But now we're too afraid not to stand up because we've seen the demise and we've seen the rebellion in our land and we've seen those turn out prayer of the school and seen the name of God tried to be stricken. I'm telling you, it's time for us to be awakened and to know we cannot be bullied anymore. We need to be afraid to not stand up, stand with, and stand for the things that God stands for. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. They came for the communist. And I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists and I didn't speak up for them because I wasn't a trade unionist, Pastor Todd. Then they came for the Catholics and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak up for me. This was written by Martin Niemöller, an influential Lutheran pastor in the time of World War II when Germany was initially complacent, complacent with Hitler's agenda and pledged him the support of Protestant churches he represented. When Niemöller finally recognized Hitler's intentions and realized he was not going to honor any of the allegiances that he had made to the church, he withdrew his support from the Nazi party. He was arrested and spent the remainder of war in a prison and eventually the Dachau concentration camp as one of Hitler's personal prisoners. And his word reads out today. They came for the drug addict and I didn't stand up for the drug addict because I wasn't the drug addict. They came for the poor, but I didn't stand up for the poor because I was not one of the poor. They came as a bully for those going through persecution and false accusation and I didn't stand up for them because I was not one of them. They came for those who had nothing and I didn't stand with them. They came with those who had been through sin and demise and had a scarred past but I didn't stand with them because I didn't have a scarred past but then they came for me. I thought it was safe to try to pet the crocodile until the crocodile ate me from limb to limb. We've got to stand with those who need to be stood with or they will come for us and there will be no one left. Come on somebody. It was Winston Churchill that said an appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile hoping it will eat him last. I want to appease the bullies in our land. I want to make peace and compromise with the bullies. You see it takes courage to stand against the Hamans of our land. Israel says there's always a Haman and there is always a Haman. Winston Churchill had to have courage to stand against the popular opinion of his day. It took courage for Corrie Tin Boom and her father Casper Boom, who they brought a baby to and said, will you keep this baby in your house? And he did, and they came and said to him, 
If you keep this baby, you will, your life will be ended. He said, I can think of no better reason than for my life to end for this baby Jew who no one will stand for. And you know what? They said, if you will denounce this because you are so old, if you will go back to your house and you just won't keep any more Jews in your house, we will let you go. You're so elderly. We won't put you in a concentration camp. He said, if you put me back at that house, if you put me back at that house, I will open the next door to the next Jew who needs to come in the front door. I will not be bullied for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. I will do what is right. So they took him to concentration camp. He died in seven days. We know his other daughter died, but his other daughter, Corey, continued to stand her word and preach the message of forgiveness, the hiding place to a generation because a man named Casper said, you know what? I will not be bullied. I have conviction that what should be done should be done and my conviction leads me to my courage and my courage leads me to the right thing. Can you say amen this morning? It took courage for William. We were forced to work tirelessly against the abominable slave trade in Britain and there's a slave trade right now going on in your life and in my life. Why do we need this command to be courageous? Because for the majority of humanity throughout all time there are legitimate reasons to fear. The giants occupying the land of Israel's promise, intimidating the Hebrew spies. The giants intimidated them. The death threats hissed out at the prophet Elijah by the wicked queen Jezebel. The multiple shipwrecks, the blessed Paul apostle endured on his journeys. The beatings, the whippings, everything. I would have loved for someone to tell him why all of that was happening to him 90% of his life. He stayed courageous because his conviction said, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed. I will not cower down. I will not be timid. But like Esther, like David, like Paul, I will stand. Like Stephen who needed courage while they hurled stones at him. Like the authorities commanded the disciples not to speak in Jesus' name. The barbaric Romans who employed crucifixion as a death, as a penalty and lit up the roadways with the dying Christians threatening them, intimidating them. But you know what? Those people that I've preached about on many times stood up not in putting their covers over their head, but their conviction said, you know what? No matter what the era, I have got to stand and know there is peril in the land, but I will not be bullied. Courage is a prerequisite for walking in the purposes of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you need courage. I shall now breathe. Okay. Courage. Listen to what our Jewish friends, if you're taking notes, Psalms 27 and 11, powerful. Teach me your way, O Lord. You understand the meaning of chazak, C-H-A-Z-A-K in Hebrew that's used in Psalms 27. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Courage. Someone say courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. That word shazak for you students means this. It's actually pronounced quazak. To fasten upon, to seize, to be strong, to bind, to fortify, to conquer. One commentary says it this way. Hope in the Lord. Be stout-hearted in your convictions. You see, hope in the Lord. Be stout-hearted in your convictions, which you believe. 
Convictions is what you believe in your mind. God has given you a sound mind to know what you believe. What you believe is the gospel of Jesus Christ and what He says. Your stout-hearted convictions and then God will instill courage. Interestingly enough, you take the first step out in faith. You become stout-hearted and then God gives you courage. And Roy, let me tell you about a royal conviction. A man who instilled, instilled, I'll get my vocabulary right in a minute, courage in others. Everyone say King Christian. Say King Christian X. Here's your history lesson. Royal convictions. 20th century. Hitler was moving along global conflict. And in the country of Denmark, the king, Christian X, was not known, or no one thought he would be the courageous one. In fact, everyone thought he was sort of antiquated because he liked to ride down through Denmark on his horse. And as he did, he continued to do so even as Hitler began to try to dominate and infiltrate Denmark. He rode his horse as a display, listen to this, of self-assurance, consistent presence communicated if ever so slightly to his people and to the troops of the Germans that were gathering around that he would not be bullied so he rode every day on his horse into the middle of town he rode and greeted his people he rode as, as an elderly king to make his daily ride some of you need to get up on a horse and ride right through the middle of that which the enemy is trying to intimidate you he was not intimidated he didn't flee most other kings abdicated their throne they got off their throne but this king said no 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 this is my country this is my throne and he daily sometimes are hiding infuriates our enemy we think but it doesn't it empowers him sometimes our cowering in the corner we think encourages and makes compromise with our enemy no it empowers him but one king got on his horse and every day he rode let me tell you what happened word leaked out and the Nazi forces were going to carry out a mission on October the 1st 1943 they were going to come into Denmark and they were going to take the Jews the Jews had been robbed out of every country they'd been put in concentration camps no one had really fought back. Winston Churchill was making his stand in Europe and fighting. But the prime minister has tried to make peace with Hitler. Thinking, Neville Chamberlain, I think was name, thinking that by making peace, he would obscure his enemy. Let me tell you something. You cannot make peace with that which is evil. You cannot make peace with addiction. You can't make peace with fear. Come on, somebody. You can't make peace and abide with generational curses. You can't make peace with things that you are being tempted with with you got to get on the horse of courage and ride and one elderly king inspired his people listen to what the people of Denmark did so when they were coming in to take their Jew they were coming to take the Jews with immediate and decisive action the country of Denmark rose to the occasion they saw their king riding the streets every day elderly looking like he was nobody but riding saying I'm not abdicating my throne saying life is going on as usual sometimes you just need to let your enemy see that life is going on as usual Sometimes you need to get on your horse of courage. You need to put your hands to the task and you need to study. You don't get intimidated in a corner and say, I may be going through hell. It may be on my back, but I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep helping people, saving people, encouraging people, speaking life to people. You may think you've lost your courage. You may think you've had your best day behind you, but every time you get on your 
horse of courage. I could have used one of those horses this morning. Rode it all the way up and down here, scaring myself and you too. But it would have been a sign you need to get on your horse of life and say, you know what? I'm not abdicating my place and my position. My marriage is under the blood of Jesus. My children are under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to get on my high horse. Every act of courage does not look so dramatic and so big. Every act of courage doesn't look like Esther taking the steps. I'll get back to the king. Every act of courage doesn't look like Daniel in the lion's den. Sometimes it's the present in the boardroom. Sometimes it's mama and daddy at the dining room table. Sometimes it's you not allowing foul talk going on around you. Sometimes it's kids standing up for someone that will no one else will stand up. Sometimes it's you not going to happy hour but going home to sit on your couch and read the word of God. Sometimes it's standing in conviction in the smallest way walking away from gossip walking away from the spirit of intimidation giving love when hate is ruling everywhere else God has not given me a spirit of fear but a power and love and sometimes only love will break it by walking away from a conversation that should not happen and in those moments you get on your high horse of courage and God sees your heart give the Lord a hand clap of praise and I'll take a breath so they began to hide their Jewish neighbors. Denmark rallied to the occasion. I want to read a little bit. The Danish police force and the Coast Guard refused to cooperate with the Nazis. See, no one else know that you could refuse. Esther didn't know you could go against Haman. Daniel didn't know you could survive the lion's den. And you might not know you can survive and be courageous in the situation you're in. The people of Denmark orchestrated a huge force. They hid all their Jewish friends, the few hundred who were not rescued. They, they took them off into Sweden, but there was a few hundred, listen, who were not rescued, who were captured and put in a work camp, but they were cared for by their fellow countrymen. They were kept alive despite dismal conditions. Through diplomatic persuasion, Danish leisure leaders implored the Nazis not to send their Jewish nationals of Denmark to death camps. And you know what? On May 8th, the day that God had already written victory on VE Day, victory in Europe, on that day, every one of the Denmark Jewish people had survived because somebody got on their high horse of courage. There's something vital at stake in your life right now. There's somebody that's vital at stake right now. And God needs you to be strong and carry out exploits. And who knows that you have been called to raise up and to save a generation an elderly king did it on top of the horse and you do it right in the midst of where God has called you. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Look at your neighbor and say an even though moment. Look at your neighbor and say an even though moment. Esther said, if I perish, I perish. Daniel said, I'm going in. Three Hebrew children said, we're going in. It doesn't matter what the turnout's going to be. It doesn't matter what's going to happen or what will take place. None of them, the king on his horse, Matthew Decker, could never have dreamed he was going to save every Jew in Denmark. But he kept riding his horse, Christian X. You see, the outcome is beyond what you know right now. I believe that by the Holy Spirit. I believe he's been speaking that to me the last few days as I have moved toward, and I ask you maybe to start a fast toward Easter. And as I've been doing that, however that might be, I, I like to fast 30 days before Easter, but, but more is a God agenda, a mandate on my life right now. The Lord has been speaking to me so strongly. The outcome of this is greater. A 
love you beyond your understanding. God often says in his word, I'm doing something beyond what you can imagine. But I need someone with conviction. Our conviction at the end of the day, are what are we willing to do about what we believe? What am I willing to do about what I believe? What am I willing to do? Conviction brings action. Action brings destiny. I can believe all along, all day long, the demons believe that Jesus is God. That's not going to get you anywhere. Jesus said even the demons believe I am the Son of God. You will never see a demon encountering Jesus that he didn't first yell, Son of God! I mean, they were freaked out. Get away from me, Son of God. They knew him. Demons believe in God. That's not conviction. Conviction is what am I willing to do about what I what am I willing to do? Esther had to determine her convictions. Daniel had to con- con- determine his convictions. I can admire conviction. I mean, we love, I mean, Pastor, I've been re-watching Jack Bauer. And, and you know, Jack Bauer is just, he just instills me with courage. If I watch enough of him, I just feel like I could pick up an AK-47 and just blow, blow out terrorists. I mean, if I watch him enough, I believe with a knife, I could just disembowel my enemy and I'm not talking about any people I mean, if I watch you enough of you, I mean there's people on Jack Bauer on 24 if you never watched it, there's this techie um, nerdy computer person named Chloe and she first comes on the scene in like season one or two I don't remember we watched all of them somehow we bought them all at McKay's on resale and just it was a good time for us to watch them let me just say that it was a good time and watching Chloe and she's just a little tech and by the third she's shooting a rifle by the fourth season she's going renegade by the fifth season she's rogue with Jack Bauer she's going against the president because he's evil and, com- and compromising. She's doing all this. She's shooting people. She's coming. And she was nothing but a computer tech. Why is that? Because courage breeds courage. Hang with people who have faith and you will get faith. Hang with the despair and if you're not helping them, you will become full of despair. Discourage means to be full of hopelessness. What is the opposite of courage? It's to be discouraged. And you hang with people who are discouraged and you're not the one pulling them out. You'll begin to speak the negative but if you begin to change the atmosphere and to breed courage and to breed faith you'll start to believe I can go into the lion's den I can go before the king I can do this I can do that I can get on my horse of courage I can make a stand for those who cannot make a stand I wish I had a friend in the house this morning give him a praise I'm almost done come on come on Psalms 27, if you're making notes, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. We may use a horse. We may use a chariot. We may have all matter of tools. As I said Wednesday night, Billy Burke said just recently to me, why did David pick up five stones, Rhonda? Oh, I don't know, Pastor Billy. Well, what would you like for me to say? Um, that's the way I treat my elders. What would you like for me to say? I mean, I'm usually very mouthy to, to tell you because I'm, I'm pretty confident in what I believe, but I don't know. He goes, well, there's all different kinds of theories, but I think he picked up five because he just didn't know what all it was going to take. We don't know which one of our tools it's going to take in moments of courage. Is it our prayer? Is it fasting, which is prayer on steroids? Is it doing things ourselves? Yeah, Esther, there was no Red Sea parted. She had to stand herself we don't know you don't know right now which tool in your bag is going to get you through this place in your life where you are right now and get your family into 
greater victory and do the exploits but we don't trust in those tools we put our courage in the name of the Lord our God they have bowed down and fall the psalmist said but we have risen and stand upright why have I risen and stand upright why are you rising up and standing upright in the moment of peril or discouragement because your trust is not in chariots your trust is not in horses but your trust is in the name of the Lord your God can you give him a hand clap of praise pastor AC if you'd come help me and we'll start winding this down listen to me by the Spirit of the Lord when we come strengthened conviction says I know who God is I know I said this two weeks ago but David never called Goliath a giant he never called him that David never spoke that that was a giant David ran in where the army is trying to eat natural Wheaties and every morning they're not running out they're letting the they're letting this Goliath speak defying screaming and they're in there eating their wheat and sharpening their swords if it was nowadays putting bullets in their gun but none of them were walking out against that thing that was intimidating the word Goliath means to strip you naked and hold you down and take your gift away from you you see intimidation wants to take the great exploit that you have possible in your life right now the spirit of intimidation wants to rob you of your gifts that encourages in fact intimidate means to discourage coerce or suppress threats to restrain I want everyone to say threats to restrain action angel of Goliath that speaks against you today wants to restrain the action that you have in your life to ride your horse of courage intimidation wants to get you off your position your position as Bishop Jake says positioning is everything Esther You've been positioned right here. I know you don't want to be here. <laughs> Esther, I know you don't want to be here. But you've positioned sons and daughters of the Most High God, brothers and sisters. You've been positioned among those hurting people. You've been positioned to help the captain. You've been positioned there. No one asked for that anointing. No one asked for that man. When I was little, I didn't say, oh God, I hope I can help people come out of homosexuality. Oh, that's really my dream. I hope I can work with drug addicts. No. None of us asked to face the trials, to do the things, to believe for marriage. I didn't ask to go through a horrific marriage. I didn't ask for a daughter with a heart defect. None of us asked those things. But intimidation comes to keep you, to try to restrain you from action, to resist you. Intimidation wanted to keep that king, Christian X, off of his horse. There's generations of Denmark Jews who are alive today because of that. I wonder who's going to be alive because of you and I. David comes out and all the word pictures of Goliath are being thrown out. The word pictures that are being saying, I'm going to take you and feed you. I mean, I, I just love to read it because it's such a fear, but I don't think I brought it. He says, I'm going to feed your carcass this day. The devil always paints a picture of what he's going to do to you. He always dramatically brings scenes to the cinematography of your spirit and shows what he's going to do. It's usually in the midnight hour, amen, or when it's cloudy outside, amen. Those scenes, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. David comes out, and what he says is, is there not a cause in Israel? He sees Goliath, and all he says is, you know what? Huh. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't say, who's speaking against me? David that I am. No, he says, who is this that's defying the God of Israel's army? You see, we need to get back where we understand 
that the enemy is defying God, not us. The enemy is defying the mission of God, not us. The enemy is trying to stop and restrain the action that you have that furthers God's kingdom. I am not all that in a bag of chips and neither are you, but God is. The enemy comes to intimidate. And David said, oh my goodness. He said, King Saul, actually what I like to think he said, I'm going to raise my Ebenezer. What's he talking about? Ebenezer's when Samuel was slaying a lamb when Israel was in trouble in the Philistine. They'd lost their ark and the Philistines were coming after him. And Samuel slays a, a, a lamb, a baby lamb, and he puts it on the altar. And as he does, the Philistines are coming in. They're trying to do the right thing. They've paused to try to seek God. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes in more. David said, when I was at my weakest, the enemy came and he came and he came. And there they are. And Samuel, the God reroutes the Philistines and thunders and lightning comes forth. And the Lord delivered them in that moment. And Samuel took a stone and he built an altar and he called it Ebenezer. And that's why many people say in the old hymn says, this day I raise my Ebenezer, which means this. The way you get courage is David saw Goliath and he said to Saul, oh my goodness, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and who delivered me from the bear, that same Lord is going to deliver me because I'm going to come against that intimidation with the name of the Lord. I'm not coming with who I am. I'm coming with a slew of past victories behind me. I should have died in 72, but the Lord delivered me. I should have been taken out in that situation, but the Lord delivered me. I'm coming with a testimony, my Ebenezer, of everything God has done before me. He didn't bring me this far to let me drown. He didn't teach me to swim, to forsake me. I'm alive today by his victory. So today my courage is based upon every good thing he's done behind me. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Somebody shout unto God. Psalms 28 and 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield in him my heart trusts and I am helped. The Lord is my strength. Righteousness, conviction causes a person to be bold. Not bold where you just speak anything. That's not bold. That's usually insecurity. But a righteous or as bold as lion means full of courage. Esther climbing the steps. Daniel going the lines in. You believing for your marriage. You taking a stand at school. You doing the right thing. Working hard and believing the right thing. I believe in the Lord. Therefore I am helped. My conviction. You see this morning I'm going to ask them to get ready with the communion. Not come yet. We're going to partake of courage. Conviction that says, I believe. In 1941, in Warsaw, Poland, some of you remember this story. There was a frenzied blue-eyed monster with his vengeance toward the Jews. In the land of Poland, there was a priest named Father Maximilian Kolbe. And every day, Father Kolbe would put his hands on the globe of the world. And as Hitler got ready to march into Poland. One man, got up on a horse of courage. It didn't look real dramatic. He sat at his pigeonhole desk with his hand on a globe. And he prayed. He prayed that the love that cast out fear, the greater love that no man hath but to lay down his life for his friends, would fight against Hitler. Because God has not given me the spirit love and sound mind. We'll get to the power in my closing moment. As he prayed there, they told him, your name's on the hit list. 
Run, Father Colby. You're a Christian. You've just helped the Jews. Run, his friend said. He said, I shall not run. I shall not forsake the people who need me. I will stand with those who have no voice. The Gestapo pulled up at one fateful day. They came in to where Father Colby lived. They marched up the steps. They took Father Colby away in chains. They put him at Auschwitz, which at this time was working as a well-oiled killing machine. No one wanted to go to Auschwitz. The incinerator burned with smoke to the sky continuously of the lives of God's chosen people. Father Colby was numbered among them. He shared bread with men that didn't have any bread. He shared encouragement. God had not given him the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He demonstrated Christ to those dying prisoners. He sang with them Shabbat songs. He talked to them about Christ, the Messiah, that most of them did not accept. And he was there. One day, a prisoner broke free from Auschwitz. And whenever this happened, it was horrible what the commandant would do. He would gather all the, all the soldiers, I mean, all the prisoners into the heat of the day. They would stand for six hours in the blazing sun until the one person would admit that he let, let the other person out. Admit that they did it. No one would admit it was six hours. People were swaying from starvation. People were weak. And all of a sudden, they said, we're going to choose 10 men to take the place of this one. And they're going to die in the starvation bunker. No one wanted to go in the starvation bunker. The incinerator was horrible where you were consumed with fires. But in the starvation bunker, men died like animals. Stories are told of the noise that was heard from the starvation bunker. People didn't even sound like humans anymore. They would scratch and they would claw and they would howl and they would fight each other, starving to death. They'd been fed so little bit for 10 days with no air, with no water, with no food. A little bit of air. And they took the, the 10 men out, but the 10th men they chose was a man. He didn't cry like the other man for himself. He didn't cry out. You see, courage doesn't make you cry out for yourself. You forget yourself in the moments of courage. God help us to be more courageous. But the 10th man just began to cry. He said, my baby children, I've got three baby children, please. My wife and my children were not taken. Please, please don't take me for their sake. Please let me raise my children. And as they dragged this man off, all of a sudden, the first, first time this had ever happened in the history of Auschwitz, a man, a meek man, Father Maximin Colby, broke ranks and he approached the commandant. And he said, I want to die in this man's place. The commandant said, are you stupid? You're not even a Jew. They all knew who Father Colby was, a Catholic priest who had just loved Jews. Are you stupid? He said, I've already lived my life full. This man has children. He's cried not for himself. Take my life. They threw the nine men and Father Colby into the starvation bunker. A German commandant, commandant who lived around the starvation bunker for those 10 days is reported in the history of the Jews to have said that this time there was no sounds of screeching or crawling coming from the starvation bunker. There was no howls and banging. But what he could hear daily was the sweet singing of men who had a shepherd sitting among them. A shepherd who said to them and taught them to sing, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for he is with me. A man who's because of his convictions did mighty exploits. They said they could hear faint singing until the utter last song was sung and they knew they were all dead. When they entered into the starvation bunker, they saw something they had never seen before. This commandant came to know Christ. They saw upon each, each person, each prisoner, a faint smile in their death. They saw Father Colby resting with his hand upon another prisoner with a death smile on his face. What are you saying? I'm saying the angel of the Lord came in the last moment I've sat with the dying my fathers have sat with the dying and rescued them because one man said my conviction is that life is greater than what I eat or drink life is greater than my riches life is greater than anything but life is knowing that I live for Christ and my convictions say it's not what I believe but what I do once for first forever they had a shepherd to lead them through the valley of the shadow of death is Christ calling you the starvation bunker I don't know I don't know what America will become I don't know what the end but I know what today is I know God is calling you and I to walk into acts of courage to be great people with great exploits but this little Rhonda can't do it I'd like to dress up Mordecai every day and say please let me eat let me watch TV Please stop crying. Please stop telling me that lives are depending on my courage. Please leave me alone. Please. But if he loves you and he loves me, he will say, this is beyond your comprehension. Souls are waiting for you to have and to be. Children and grandchildren are waiting for you to get on your horse of courage. Can you just lift one hand to Jesus before I finish? and say I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you we honor you Christ we honor you I want you to stand stay where you are we're going to bring the communion down before we do I want to talk to you about Christ but go ahead and stand all over this house just prepare yourself I want to tell you about Christ in this last moment I've gone a little bit over the 35 I intended but I believe I have obeyed him in everything that I have said today something vital is at stake we're going to eat of his body and drink of his blood and have prayer time we're going to do that hallelujah he has won the victory in a moment and as we partake of him before I tell you about him I want to say this I want you to eat sometimes when I read of Christ Matt Decker I'll write in my journal and I'll say Christ please blow me an ounce of your car when I walk with him through the Gospels. I see him heading back to Bethany with courage, even though his disciple says he's going to die back there. If he believes for that prodigal one more time, if he reaches for that drug addict, he's going to die. But Jesus said, I must go back and raise my friend with courage. He walked back into his accusers, his opposers, those who wanted to arrest him. He continued to do the will of God. I watched him as he moved among the Pharisees. And those who hate him, those who lied about him, they called him a blasphemer. Hurt. They called him a, the devil's child. They lied about Jesus consistently. He kept moving into temples and synagogues. I love you, Jesus. And I'll just say, Lord, please, blow me just an ounce. Everyone says, I'm courageous. I see you and I think you're courageous. But Lord, we need more of your courage. 
I see him hated without cause, despised and rejected, a man full of sorrows, but he continues. And he continues because he has conviction. He said, it was said of him in Hebrews, he will set his face like a flint. He said, here I am, I've come to do your will, God. He will set his face like flint, his mind with courage to fulfill the will of God. He would set himself for the joy that was set before him go all the way to Calvary. He said, after he told his disciples, when I read, when I'm in the early mornings and I'm reading about him sitting with the disciples saying, this is gonna happen to me, this. And they'll say like, Peter says, just, just don't go. And he calls him Satan, but he calls Judas his friend because he knows some enemies are brought into your life to get you to where you're supposed to go because there's something vital at stake. And it says that Jesus kept pressing toward Jerusalem. I love that about you, Lord. He kept pressing. He kept pressing with courage. I see him though at Calvary like a lamb led to the slaughter. It says he opened not his mouth. He kept his eyes on what he believed that God said, I will not leave your soul in hell. I will not allow you to see corruption. He stayed in courage. He stayed in believing and he went to Calvary. He went all the way knowing that in three days something vital was at stake as we enter into almost 30 days before Easter Sunday. Something vital was at stake and that resurrection was not just going to free a few Jews in Denmark but it was going to free all men for all time. Let me tell you this morning, the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and 19 that the eyes of your heart may be opened, that you may know the hope of His calling. What is His exceeding greatness of His power toward you who believe according to the working of His mighty power when He brought Jesus up from the grave. To Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think or hope according to the power that is in us courage that I may know him in the power of his resurrection lift your hands all over this place make it your place of prayer right now Lord Jesus we're gonna come we're gonna take of your body your bread I'm gonna ask Lord Jesus as we do that we kneel in these altars I'm gonna pray Lord for a few minutes of prayer every one of us that physically can to kneel and to ask you Lord that you would strengthen our convictions what we know to be right and to be true that is worthy to fight for it may be a marriage in this room it may be a ministry it may be children it may be freedom in attacks it may be getting through trials it may be facing leaders this week for some it may be the courage to do the right thing in the workplace or school. Courage, Lord, we are to know you in our conviction that you're the God who empowers us. You gave us the supreme ruler of Christ, our Messiah. He saved us from the cross that we might demonstrate love. Lord, I pray we would reseat, revisit our convictions at this altar this morning. Let us, when we come in a moment, let us visit our conviction, what we believe and know to be true as we take the bread and the juice lord we're saying again god i need my convictions to be revisited i need my faith what i know to be right and what i need to do to be right to be visited and then lord 